0: Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Mindset Moments with me, MC. So, in this week's episode, I want to discuss how we can build better relationships in our lives. And in particular, look at how our mindset is directly shaping these interactions, whether it's with our partner or family members or friends. As human beings, we are hardwired to connect and find a sense of belonging with other people. However, our unconscious beliefs and habits often make this challenging for us and they can even create barriers that prevent us from finding deep connection with people. And this is especially hard because society tends to glorify unhealthy relationship patterns. You know, just look at the movies or the TV shows that we watch and how often do we see healthy relationships play out on the screen? Very rarely. Instead, it's, you know, the usual stereotypes, it's the emotionally unavailable man, the dramatic, emotional woman, the catty female friendships. And, you know, the list goes on. And now I know we all don't just simply copy what we see on TV, but these versions of relationships and the repeated exposure to these kind of relationship stories... Well, they do influence how we see ourselves and what we deem as acceptable and non-acceptable in our society. It's also really important at this point to recognise that most of our behaviours in relationships have been inherited and influenced by our own upbringing. Now, again, this doesn't mean that you're going to be exactly like certain family members, but these experiences can impact how we show up in these daily interactions. And this is why mindset work is so valuable, as it allows us to look at these behaviors, you know, from a different perspective and consciously decide. Instead of just inheriting them, we're actually consciously thinking okay, what do I want to bring into my current relationships? And what old patterns or behaviors do I want to let go of or perhaps change? Now, I'm not a relationship expert by any means. But these next few concepts greatly shape how I show up in relationships and have definitely helped me look at my mindset in these dynamics. So perhaps they may spark some reflective thinking for you too. So the first one is that love is a verb, not a noun, meaning love is an action, not something that we achieve or reach. And it requires continuous work and effort over and over and over. And it's all about repeatedly showing up, sharing experiences together, learning together, showing compassion and then knowing when to forgive others and most importantly, when to forgive ourselves. And I have a whole episode on forgiveness that I will link in this description. And so if you want to explore more, but our social media world glamorises this idea of, I guess, love is, very, you know, it's a very simplistic version and it's usually gushy, you know, the lovey-dovey posts, almost like a badge of an achievement and this idea that we need to share that with everyone to see. But the reality is relationships are not simple. It's not a simple A to B, you know, kind of destination. They're complex, they're beautiful, messy, challenging, ongoing. And they require a huge degree of vulnerability and trust from both people. The second idea that I personally repeatedly come back to is this idea that there are only two emotions, love or fear. That all our beliefs, ideas, feelings, actions, the whole lot can be categorised into either two camps. And from this idea comes this wonderful question, What would love do? And when I find I'm in a situation with someone where I'm feeling frustrated or angry and I think I might lash out or react, I ask myself, what would love do? Almost as if love was like an actual person. And it's funny because I know what fear would do. My fear reaction or my fear person or persona, for use of a better word, they'd want to send the passive aggressive text or maybe give a bit of silent treatment but love? Well, love would approach the situation with a lot more compassion. And I find using this analogy really helps me to let go of the anger that might be building up. It's almost like it kind of neutralizes the situation. Now, I'll be honest, sometimes I need to ask myself that question repeatedly before I can let go of my frustration or the story that's playing out in my mind. Now, I also want to say does it doesn't mean I don't express how I'm feeling or discuss my grievances if someone has you know, upset me. But it does mean that when I remember to use this question, I feel less reactive and the conversation usually goes better for both parties. The final concept that I want to share today is this idea of our imperfection tolerance. Meaning, how well can I tolerate what I perceive as so-called flaws in others? And then this, of course, leads to the question of how well can I tolerate my own imperfections? So in our social media driven world, every photo can be filtered to hide the blemishes and erase any of the imperfections. And we tend to start looking at the people in our lives in the same way getting irritated and frustrated by certain behaviours and wishing they could act in a way that we want. It's almost like we want to erase these irritating flaws away, you know, put, put a nice filter over it. And in doing so, though, we remove the uniqueness of each individual and, you know, we, we take away their story that has made them who they are. And this is compounded by the fact that our society is often struggling to sit in a grey space. So instead, everything can only be black and white. Either you agree with me or you don't. And there's no space to listen or understand each other. And I often wonder, at what point are we becoming so fixated on how the other person's ideas or behaviours aren't right, in inverted commas, or that they're wrong, in inverted commas? that we then end up losing our ability to connect and show compassion. And this idea of the imperfection tolerance has been shown in research that the more of this we can lean into, it actually can indicate the longevity or the strength of our relationships. Because the bottom line is people can only meet us at the depth that they have met themselves. So, We can only meet people at the depth we've met ourselves and then the same is true for the other person. So you might be doing all this work on yourself, but it doesn't mean the other people in your life are going to be able to meet you at that wavelength. And that's okay. And most importantly, this concept of the imperfection tolerance is asking us how easily can we let go of the small stuff? Now, this doesn't mean we don't have standards in our relationships, but it's about defining what are our core values? Are they non-negotiables? And then how can we let go of the other minor stuff? Because when we approach our relationships from this perspective, our mindset is not focused on controlling the other person, but instead thinking about how we show up as individuals in these relationships to live out these core values. So let's just take a moment now and I want you to think of someone that you have a close relationship with in your life. How would you describe your imperfection tolerance with this person? How easily can you love this person for who they are and not who you want them to be? And a great way to think about this is to think, how often do you celebrate or tell that person, you know, like actually say to them, you know, celebrate, what do they bring to your relationship versus how often are you complaining about what they don't bring? And this can be a really great place to start when wanting to strengthen a connection with a particular person. Another tip that's really helped me is learning when to simply listen. Often we want to get get straight fix-it mode when a loved one shares a problem and it genuinely might be coming from a place of, you know, kindness and compassion, but it can be so frustrating for the person who really just wants to share and offload. Like how often have you wanted to debrief on a situation with someone and you felt irritated by their response because it's full of advice on what you need to do next And their response doesn't even recognise that you've just shared a really vulnerable moment. Maybe it's something upsetting or stressful or whatever it might be. So sometimes if I feel a need to rant, I'll say to my husband or a close friend, can I just have a minute to get this off my chest to just speak it out without any advice? And saying something like this means I'm helping the other person understand what I need at this moment. I just need a listener. Another one I'm trying to use in my conversations more is when someone comes to me with a problem is to ask after they've shared if they want my opinion or not. Like, do you want my advice or not? And my other option is to simply send some empathy their way by acknowledging how hard their situation must be for them. The bottom line is most people know what they need to do. Like deep down, that they'll know how they're going to work through this problem. But they will feel so overwhelmed that what they actually need first is a place that feels safe, that they can just untangle their thoughts, where they feel listened to and valued. So we actually don't even need to have advice. We don't need to have the next, you know, five steps of what they need to do. They will know. But a lot of the time, like I said, that fix it takes over. Now Esther Perel, the famous relationship guru, often says that the quality of our relationships determines the quality of our lives. These connections with others help us to feel safe and seen. They create a sense of belonging, that we matter and that we're appreciated for who we are rather than what someone else thinks we should be. So I really hope this episode has given you some food for thought and maybe even made you think about how you show up in some of your closest relationships and where you could tweak things slightly. It all starts with our awareness of self. And this is where I leave you. Until next time, take care.